Welcome to Indie Insider, presented by Blackshell Media. This is the weekly show where we speak with indie video game developers, publishers, and industry professionals about their projects, their stories, and their advice to others. I'm your host, Logan Schultz, and today on the show, I sit down with Mark Soderwall, founder of Indie Game University. Indie Game U is an educational program designed to help aspiring developers build their game through workbooks, coaching sessions, and guidance throughout the process. Mark and I also chat about his successful development career, his thoughts on the past and future of the indie video game scene, and he shares a ton of fantastic advice. Before we get to the interview, however, a couple of quick notes. This show is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm working to help indie developers reach their goals and new audiences. The company also strives to offer unique, inspiring, and even educational services for developers, publishers, and gamers alike, which is why we get to bring this show to you. Speaking of which, be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes and other podcast services across the internet, and please leave a review. If you'd like to be a part of the show and share your thoughts, questions, or even request a professional to bring on the podcast, send me an email at logan at blackshellmedia.com or reach out on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. Finally, special thanks to Mark for joining us on the show, Eden for helping coordinate this week's episode, and Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for allowing us to use his song, Going Higher, in the show. And now, the founder of Indie Game U, Mark Soderwall. Insider today, I'm talking with Mark Soderwall, founder of Indie Game University. Mark, how's it going? It is going great. Thank you, Logan, for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining me. I'm glad uh, you can make some time on a on a busy Wednesday, middle of the week. How's your yeah, week so far? It's it's always busy. Um, you know, we'll probably get a little bit more into that uh, as we go along with the interview. But uh, right now. Very entrepreneurial, uh, really just head down in three ventures um, right now. So scheduling and time management is at a paramount in my life at this moment. So yeah, every day is busy. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough. I totally understand that, especially this time of year with the holidays. And, you know, it seems like everything's just packed. Sure, sure. Well, Mark, I want to chat with you um, as we do in every episode. I want to hear about you and where you come from. Tell me a little bit about your origin story. My origin story is unique, just like everybody else's, but I think I have a little bit more of a Cinderella start uh, than most. And uh, hmm. I got into the gaming industry um, right out of high school. Um, and that was thanks in large part to my art teacher in my senior year of high school back in 89, 90. Um, She submitted a couple of uh, art pieces to a local uh, competition down in Southern California. Uh, I found out the pieces that she submitted and I was pissed because I thought they were horrible. And so (laughs) I didn't even bother showing up to the competition because I didn't think I had a snowball's chance in hell. So I stayed home, licked my wounds. Uh, My dad ended up going. And I just, you know, he came back home and presented me with this first place amateur division uh, placard, as well as a a few business cards of the judges that were on the panel. And he was, yeah, he was very upset with me, um, said that I came off as as kind of a prima donna 
and that I wouldn't even show up. <laughs> and, you know, but I explained it to him. I said, I had no idea that I'd, I'd win. I saw some of the pieces that were submitted so much better than mine. So there was an element that, that caught somebody's eye. Anyways, uh, one of the business cards I looked at happened to be a video game developer that uh, did games exclusively for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh. And uh, he wrote on the back of the card, said, Mark, uh, when you get a chance this week, please give my office a call back. I'd like to talk to you. And so I did, worked up the courage, and, and got back to him. And he said, Mark, really interested uh, in, in talking to you about a, um, you know, an opportunity we'd like you to consider, and that is helping us do artwork for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Would you be interested in, in having a job with us? And of course I said yes. I absolutely said yes. Right, and, of course. And again, this is back. This is back when the industry was still, you know, still finding itself and, and fairly new. You know, you still had, you know, Microsoft and, and Sony, um, you know, Nintendo, the big three kind of a thing. And they trained me um, because there was no formal education. It was still uh, very apprentice-led um, in order to mm -hmm. figure out how to do games. We used proprietary art tools. In fact. Um, you know, we weren't even using a mouse uh, to create the artwork. We were generating all of the 8-bit art on the joypad of the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, yeah. So it, it was it was really uh, quite amazing. And, of course, back then, everything being relative, you know, I'm drawing pixels on the screen and thinking that this is the, this is the best thing. Like, the art can't get any better than this. You know, of course, now <laughs> we have Destiny and Call of Duty and, you know, where we're seeing the wetness of eyes and the pores of skin. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, back then with what we had, we thought it was fantastic. So I thought I had arrived and I didn't look back. Um, I didn't necessarily go to college. I don't have a degree. Uh, the courses that I did take in college were basically art courses to kind of hone my skills, uh, get better at my craft so that I could apply it even at a you know greater capacity in the game developments I was doing. And then it just snowballed, Logan. It just snowballed from there. I found out that this industry was going somewhere. It was it was te technology driven, so it was always evolving. Tools were always getting better. Um, you know, the platforms were always getting more expansive and deeper. Right. And so I, I was just like, why the hell would I jump off this ship? This is great. And then from there, I went to Virgin Interactive Entertainment, worked on a lot of uh, Disney IP. And then from there, it went to Atari and uh, then to EA. And then finally, uh, bookended my career with LucasArts and working on all the Star Wars and Clone Wars and uh, proprietary oh, wow, yeah. IP that they had. So that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of it in a nutshell right there. That's my, that's my legacy. <laughs> well, diving just a little bit deeper into that, uh, when you, or I guess prior to you starting your first uh, job working on the Nintendo, were you a gamer before that? Had you spent time with video games? Did you have an NES? Oh, uh, no, actually I did not um, have an NES at all. I, I you know, still had uh, an Atari system at that point. Um, liked video games, but mainly just played in the arcades, you know, back when there was when there were arcades and coin-ops and stand-ups where it took quarters. Um, Robotron, you know, 2084 and Zaxxon and all those titles, Dragon oh, Slayer. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, you know, and so I cut my teeth. That's, I mean, I, I basically did my daycare at arcades. You know, my mom would drop me off with five bucks and I'd be there till the, you know, the streetlights came on. <laughs> and so that, that became my culture. That became kind of my muse. Um, but really, to be quite honest with you, I thought I was going to actually go into the comic book industry. 
because okay. I had an I had an affinity towards art. I had affinity towards drawing characters and, and crafting stories. But then when gaming came around, it's like, oh my god! Now I'm able to evolve this love that I have for for visual storytelling, and now be able to incorporate it into an interactive experience where now we're actually setting up scenarios where users can take parts of our stories but then begin to create their own. And I was able to start creating art that wasn't static anymore. I was able to provide movement to it that that players could interact with. So yeah, it was just, it was fantastic. So had some gaming background, but never in my wildest dreams thought that I would actually be creating a career and having success in it. So... And it sounds like your career, uh, when you really were doing that hands-on design, was pretty successful. Were you pretty aware of that by the time you made it to LucasArts working on Star Wars? Well, to be quite honest, every company that I stepped into was a very humbling experience um, because I'd get introduced to a new culture, uh, new talents, new creatives that were so much better than I was. At least that's what I thought. Um, and it really just kind of hit me upside the head when I stepped into LucasArts. I mean, I, I had all of these amazing achievements and worked on these great IPs and, and with these great teams and, and, and developments. But for some reason, when I stepped into LucasArts, because I, I'm such a lover of Star Wars, I thought, in a sense, I had arrived. And I was so intimidated walking onto the campus in San Francisco on the Presidio, going into the building and walking to my office. And I remember sitting down, I remember sitting down in my chair and looking at my monitor, which hadn't been turned on yet, so I could see my reflection in it. It's like looking into a bathroom mirror. And I leaned forward in my chair and I literally said to myself out loud, what the hell do I have to offer this place? Oh, and wow. it was a, it was a real moment. It was a come to Jesus moment. It, I the vulnerability in me was screaming. The imposter syndrome was all over me like a wet blanket. And it wasn't until I got myself out of the chair and started to meet the team, the designers, the coders, the artists, the you know the producers, that I started to understand that hey, you know what? These are people that have their own insecurities as well as their strengths, but they have their own weaknesses, their own vulnerabilities. They're just like me. You know, I ended up going in there with the expectation of putting them on a pedestal so high that I'd never be able to meet it and or relate. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. And the more that I got into to meetings with them and, you know, sitting down with them, I started to find out that they were they were pulling on me out of my experience, out of my insights, out of my knowledge and my awareness to help the projects and to to add you know that that next level of innovation or whatever it is and so i found my place but it every job that i stepped into logan was a uh was a very humbling uh humbling time and that's that's kind of the the heart that i've tried to maintain in every new venture that i go into not that i'm necessarily there to be the big man on on campus but staying like a sponge and just absorbing and staying humble and it's it's worked for me very very well and i've established a lot of great intimate relationships with tons of colleagues because i didn't think more of myself than what i was sorry i think there's a train in the background i heard so, it <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well i think that's a really important thing to to hear as a listener to this podcast and someone listening to you that uh, you know the having a job like that and the people doing this work they aren't such um lofty people up that you should be putting up on a pedestal necessarily mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um sure. i you know respect their work obviously but 
that that it is something that people with the right knowledge and the right talents can do. They're people just like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you and I to a certain extent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and, and it is. It's, you know, even myself, when I think about putting together a game or sitting in front of my computer, like, <laughs> how could I ever even dream of putting together something like what is out now, like the huge <laughs> Call of Duty or like Uncharted 4 or like, you know, anything like that it's so daunting sure um, or final fantasy 15 <laughs> speaking of which just came yeah, out right? exactly yeah. yeah no it's yeah something that's so massive uh when mm-hmm. you think about it but that's great to hear that you know you meet the team you work with these people and um and you all rely on each other and that you're all part of it i think that's great yeah we do we very much lean on each other and if somebody steps out of that row we will all fall so it's if you go into it with that kind of mindset where you're locking arms with other talents and creatives um, and individuals, then you're going to create magic. Something amazing is going to come out of that community. Well, speaking of that, you then kind of stepped away from design and moved on to, you know, uh, contributing your talents to the community in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened when you left LucasArts? Well, it wasn't necessarily by choice. Lucas obviously uh, was in negotiation with Disney, um, right? You know, to get acquired, and so that came about, which means that uh, there was a number of people that uh, unfortunately were laid off, which is kind of the bane of the industry. And I think, again, talking about those come to Jesus moments, um, I had been involved obviously with Atari. Got laid off at Atari because the studio closed down through acquisition. Uh, LucasArts, the same thing. Studio got closed down because of acquisition. And I guess it really got to a point where it really jaded me. And I ended up getting really pissed because I didn't feel in control of my own destiny. Like there was somebody else with a tie in a lofty ivory tower somewhere, basically moving the chess pieces around on the board. And I felt like a pawn, (laughs) you know. And so that's where I just started to look and scope into more of the indie movement and was like, okay, you know what? These guys and girls that are creating these games and, and going out on their own steam, taking their own risks, making their own decisions, um, you know, crafting from their heart. Um, I'm like, okay, now that's a community that I could just get my hands dirty with because those are my people. And so <laughs> I took at that point, I've been in the industry for a, a few decades and have acquired a lot of knowledge, know a whole hell of a lot of people that are very talented. And it's like, all right, you know what? Kind of wringing my hands. It's like, how do I create a vehicle in order to displace and give this knowledge back into those creatives that are out there taking a risk and doing it on their own steam so they don't feel alone? So they feel like there's a mentor out there and that there's other people that are supporting them with best practices and tips and methodologies that are going to help them realize their their dreams or developments or desires. And then, boom, Indie Game U came about. And that's what I've been pursuing ever since. So what year are we looking at when this is all happening? Uh, This uh, started out uh, around 2009. 2010 when this really started to well up in my heart and then from there it was doing side projects doing consulting uh, working for a lot of smaller studios um, starting to uh, get more into that indie scene so I was now starting to work and embrace that culture and and starting to garner better awareness and, and empathy towards you know their plights their fears their pains um 
and all the while just making notes, mental notes or physical notes as to what can I give back? How can I help them create advantage? How can I help them create wins and, and finality in their work and confidence? Um, and then, yeah, so from there, it was really just kind of acquiring the knowledge, um, setting things in order and, you know, to get Indie Game U up to a point to where I felt like I was able to develop curriculum, develop content, uh, pull together the resources and technology and platforms that I needed in order to push the button to go live with this resource. And so it's about five or six years in the making. So it didn't happen overnight. Well, I want to dive into Indie Game U and I want to talk about you know, what you're doing you know, in the present with that program. Um, but before we get there, I have just a couple other questions for you that I want to dig into just a little bit. Right. The indie video game scene, you mentioned it uh, as you you were taking a look at it kind of as you stepped away from LucasArts um, involuntarily or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think about the indie video game scene now with, you know, such open distribution and uh, you know the digital distribution that's available to people what are your thoughts on that positive negatives give me some broad thoughts oh there's no there's no negative whatsoever it's it's all positive in fact i've been on record saying that nobody has an excuse anymore to not start their development because like you just mentioned the tools are available the platforms are available the distribution channels are there you know, I mean, you could you can get all of the major game engines for free for the most part with, you know, maybe some some back end fine print of percentages of sales or something of that nature. Uh, there's online and open source tools for you to be able to create assets or music or code. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a digital distribution. Again, small back end of percentage that they'll take. But at the end of the day, zero percent is zero is zero. So I'd rather have somebody take a small percentage and allow me to, you know, still grab the lion's share. But they've already done all of the legwork and heavy lifting of making these vehicles and these platforms in order for me to use. So I don't necessarily have to create anything other than my dream, my development, my desire to loose to a world waiting. And that's what I love about the indie scene is all the tools, all the resources that are available for people to just craft their desires, their genres, their ideas, and get it out to either niche or mass markets. That's exciting. I mean, God, that is just, that's absolutely wonderful. And again, another reason why, you know, Indie Game U came about to help cultivate and nurture and push forward that uh, that community and that culture. So the indie video game scene has grown so quickly and so exponentially over the past, you know, five, ten years, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where are we heading next? What do you see for the future of this industry we work in? You know, that's a really good question. Um Boy, that's a great question. I usually don't get <laughs> I usually don't get stumped, and and that one I'm 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 kind of banging my head up against the proverbial wall here. Um, well, and the reason I ask you is because your business, which we're about to po- talk about in a minute, Indie Game mm-hmm, U, mm-hmm. is so ingrained in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that you guys would probably think about, you know, what is this going to look like in the future? How can you remain flexible with the constantly changing industry and industry mm-hmm. that's changing so quickly, right? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, what do you think the future of indie video games looks like? The future of indie indie video games, and this this actually speaks right to you, to the to the indie, to the individual. Let's just let's just take it down even even more of a notch. There, we'll talk to the individual. It's not enough anymore to just create a one-off. You have to be future thinking. You have to be legacy driven in a sense that you have a game idea that's great. You're putting effort, resources, ability, time, um, capital towards building that that idea. But one of the things that I actually learned from from George Lucas of all people in a meeting that uh, that I was in, where he basically kind of shed some insight and said, any idea that I have, even with Star Wars, any idea that I have, I'm always looking at how it can have multiple revenue streams, how it can not just be a one-off. You know, when George was talking about Star Wars and those IPs, he basically said, my movies are basically two-hour commercials for my action figures, for my Lego sets, for my bed sheets, for my clothing line, for, you know, all these different (laughs) things. And that really got me to thinking the future of indie game development is no more looking at just a one-off. How can you brand it? How can you build a business around it to continue your forward momentum, to repeat your success and your delivery of titles or or creating IP or using the same type of technology that you spent all this time crafting? How can that be repurposed? So those are the things that indies, if they want to be successful and have a future in the industry, is to start forward thinking, not necessarily to their next title, but let's say their next two or three titles, and how to capitalize on that and and find those alternate revenue streams as we just talked about. So here's a last follow-up question to that then. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about multiple revenue streams. We talked about, you know, expanding your IP. Mm -hmm. Um, How does the indie developer do that without selling out in this day and age, uh, you know, so to say, how mm-hmm. do they create something and expand upon that without, you know, losing their creativity to something or losing, you know, what they originally started for? What well, you, you, you know, it's a fine line and there's a tension there. And I totally appreciate the spirit of what you're saying. However, at the same time, you, you know, Indie, indie might not necessarily be, but AAA definitely is. It is a business at the end of the day. You're putting something out in order to entertain and to generate income. And unfortunately for indies, they have to at least make friends with that model. They, they have to understand that, yes, while it is an indie effort and it is a very niche effort depending on their title or their IP or their ideas that they're letting loose or the genres that they're, they're either uh, mimicking or creating a whole new um, type of platform, they, they also have to be aware that they have to, in a sense, engage with their audience, with their market, with their users. You know, if, they're, if they've got a title out there that's being successful, then you know, good business would say, well, then continue moving forward at that and being loyal to that community and those fans that you've built that are enjoying what it is you've you've delivered to them and keep expanding on it, keep uh, iterating and, and ideating on it um, instead of just cutting it off at the knees and starting something completely new. Not that that's wrong. It's just those are the things that you have to consider. 
if you've got a, a community out there that's really enjoying and having an amazing experience for what it is you delivered, if you're forward thinking enough, you're like, okay, good. How do I uh, add new downloadable content? How do I patch it? How do I, um, you know, put in uh, more customizable features or or add in a new wrinkle in some way to continue that enjoyment they're having, but still offering them something new so it still feels fresh without having to reinvent the wheel and start from fresh all over again. So those are things that you need that you need to consider. Really well put. I like the way you said that. Uh, balancing art and business. Makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Well, you have to. You have to. If you want to survive this day and age because there's just – there's too much competition out there. There's too much accessibility um, and awareness towards social media platforms and everybody's pushing pushing the next thing, pushing the fresh, pushing the new, pushing the innovative. So, you know, if you do end up getting lucky enough to capture a market, boy, build loyalty and and, and listen to those users and listen to what it is that they want. If they want you to keep towing the same party line with the same type of genre or game, but they just want some new features, fine, give it to them. I mean, geez, look at, look at World of Warcraft. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just like that model is not broken. Uh, per se, and all they do is listen to their community and keep adding in new characters, new quests, new segues, um, what have you. But the platform and the model still, for the most part, stays the same. Well, Mark, I don't know what you're going to share for advice at the end of the episode. You've already given plenty, so uh, <laughs> I still have. I've got a lot. I've got a lot more. So let's just keep opening this thing up. <laughs> well, and that's part of the business that you've built, right? So let's dive mm-hmm. into that. Tell me about Indie Game U, Indie Game University. Uh, what is this thing that you've built? Indie Game University is basically a um, it's a it's a venture and it's a vehicle to help indie developers go beyond just the awareness and understanding of how to build a 3D model, how to write AI and pathing, how to create environments uh, utilizing you know tools that are out there. Indie Game U gets more towards the soft skills and the core of why are you building that 3D model? Why are you using Unity? Why are you not using GameMaker or Unreal? What are your abilities? What are your resources? What what kind of time do you have with where you're at, with what you know, with what you have? Um, it's basically getting people to answer the why question for themselves and giving them the tools and the methods, the motivation and mentorship of how to structure their ideas into achievable wins, bite-sized chunks, something that will actually get them to the finish line without allowing them to kind of trip off the rails into what we call feature creeping um, or trying to become like we were talking about the next Call of Duty or Final Fantasy or or something of that nature, which they're always looking towards. It's like, no, how do we keep you on the rail of you? How do we keep you on the rail of your dreams, your developments, your desires for what it is you want to let loose? How do we instill the schedules, the practices, the abilities, the time that you've got, the resources you have available um, to getting your title done and your vision manifest? That's, That's Indie Game You in a nutshell right there, brother. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, I have to ask, uh, we have had um, at least one other uh, game career coach on the show before. 
what differentiates indie game you from you know the rest out there your competitors rather um, what do you think makes your program special I think indie game you is special in the sense that what I like to call it's about the heart and not the hype you know the industry is so built on hype and and how do we market your title and how do we get it in front of as many people as possible and how do we show off the flashes and the bangs and you know all these different things mm -hmm. what i do i instruct in that so don't get me wrong hear my heart i instruct in that as well but really what it is that i'm concerned with most is building a foundation in the identity of the actual creative Again, going back to helping them define their why, helping them define their purpose. What kind of legacy do they want to, to leave with their gaming titles? What kind of an audience or what kind of a message are they trying to deliver to a world? How do they get their story out there so they can, so, so communities can, can understand who they are and why they're doing what they're doing and resonate with them? And you're no longer building fans, you're building affiliates and you're building loyal followers because they they relate with you not just your game but they understand your struggles your triumphs your ambition your dreams um, because you're so transparent and you're so connected and that's the that's the thing that I'm really trying to instill most in indie game you is not only the techniques and the methods and the best practices of game development but how do you connect with people how do you build relationships how do you build community um, advice that I gave a developer just a month ago was they were starting on their game and they were wondering wondering when they should start marketing and I told them the minute that you start drawing your first line or putting down your first you know uh, script of code or something of that nature you need to be getting into a community or you need to be getting a YouTube channel or a blog and letting people know hey this is who we are. This is what we're working on. My God, we would love for you to jump on board this ship and take a ride. And what happens is, is through your development and you're exposing, you don't have to expose everything, but I mean, you're showing that you're touchable. You're showing that there's a human element, that there's struggles, there's trials, there's tribulations, there's victories, there's accolades. And people throughout this 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 adventure are following you because you're being you're being open with them so that by the time you're ready to deliver a game let's say in in eight weeks or six months or whatever that that time scale is you have built this loyal following that now all of a sudden you've got a market to to sell to and to advertise to you don't have to start from scratch when you're finished with your game and then you've got to start all over and start building up this community no you let people in early and start building that relationship and just letting people know that you're you're here and that you want to be plugged in what do you think are some of the most frequently asked questions when people first come to you or first start looking into indie game university what are the things you find you're answering the most um, one of the things that I'm answering the most is a lot of times indie developers, they, they, their ambition runs uh, ahead of their abilities, I guess you might say. And again, we've, we've sure. kind of illustrated this with the, with the Call of Duties and the Final Fantasies and the World of Warcrafts. You know, of course, everybody wants to aspire 
to those types of genres or those types of IP because they're successful. You know, we see it every day and they've spent millions of dollars on marketing to make sure that that's in front of us all the time. And so that's where we set the bar. And so indies, because of that, that bar, they try and achieve it and they forget who they are and they forget that, you know, this still is an indie effort. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to lessen their vision, but they have to appreciate who they are, where they are, what they know, what they have, uh, and what they're trying to deliver. And so most of the advice I give to people is to help them understand what is the core of your idea. What is the core of your game? And you have to stay there. And once you define that core, and I'll give you a really quick illustration. Think of the core as if you were to open a hot dog stand. And, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking of the cart, you're thinking of the wheels, you're thinking of the brand and the color of your banners, you're thinking of the condiments. But if you don't have hot dogs, you don't have a hot dog stand. So that is your <laughs> core. So that is your core. Everything else can be great. But if you don't have the hot dog, what's the point? You don't have a hot dog stand. And so helping developers and indies understand, hey, what is your core? What is that one element of your title and your idea that if you were to remove that, you wouldn't have a game? Once you've established that core and once you have an intimate understanding of what that is, that is your baseline. From there, once that's built and you've tested it and it's not breaking and it's getting a good fun feel to it, then you've got a solid platform to start just tertiarily building off of or packing more clay on to make it beautiful and pretty and, and deeper or richer or fuller. So that's what I'm finding that I'm doing a lot of um, speaking on is helping people come back to the core. What is their main idea and how to develop that so that they can set up for wins by packing on uh, any kind of ancillary or tertiary or peripheral type of, of features to kind of pretty that up, I guess. You mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago how you were working with somebody just last month and that got me thinking, do you have any good uh, indie game you success stories that you could share? Um, uh, you know, yes. Anything that's turned out really well? Yeah, actually, uh, I've got a couple of success stories. Um, one was uh, basically, well, there's there's three, but I'll, I'll just keep them really short. Um, sure. One came through the very first lesson of Indie Game U, which basically helps people understand their why and their purpose for their games and for what it is that they're doing and why they want to get into this, uh, you know, this discipline, as it were. And there was a girl who went through one of the workbooks and she answered her why for the first time. Why do you want to make games? And she, you know, she submitted to me. I don't, I don't ask people to submit me anything unless they want to. It's not like they have to submit for grades and I, I check their work or anything like that. It's, it's purely a self-effort. Right. Um, if I did, I'd be spending all my days grading hundreds of papers and I, I just don't want to do that. Anyways, um, so <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I really don't. I just want people to have tools. And, and get busy. Um, Fair enough. But she wrote back and she said, look, I, I understood what, why I wanted to get into video games. And she talked about how there was a time in her past where she was going through a lot of trial. It was a dark time in her life. Uh, a lot of relationships were breaking. Uh, she even got into to cutting herself. I mean, she got really deep in this, oh, wow, in, this yeah. in this testimony. And she said she found her... Um, 
she found her, in a sense, her identity or she found her sense of, of uh, accomplishment in certain games that she played. And that helped kind of lift her out of the doldrums of her life or those, those painful areas because she was able to get lost in this realm, this experience that gave her accomplishment and made her feel like she was worth something. And that brought her back into the light. And she, her why became, hey, look, if I can create an experience that potentially helps somebody else that's in a dark place like I was to get lifted up out, that's my purpose and that's my why. And she said that changed her life. She has such a, a new resolve and a new um, focus on everything that she puts her creative hand to and, and you know, starts to move into that gave her all the resolve in the world, like a freight train that she just got on that just speeded her down the tracks into her future because she had answered that one simple question. Now, I don't know any school anywhere where that would be part of the curriculum, where a teacher would, you know, in, in an animal drawing class or a coding class where for the first week, all you would do is discuss your why, your motivation, your purpose, your legacy, whatever that might be. And, and I'm just like, Jesus, why wouldn't they start with that? Because that adds such a great baseline. And that is, like I said, that's that's one of the first lessons in Indie Game U. Changed her life. And now she's moving on with amazing motivation and confidence uh, because of that. And it had nothing to do, nothing to do with games. It had everything to do with her identity and helping her find her direction. I don't even know what to say after that, Mark. I think that was... Uh... Okay. <laughs> That was the story. That was, uh, I, I would be surprised if that doesn't resonate with a lot of our listeners. Mm-hmm. You know? um, I mean, it does with me. I think that's something that, even if it's not in video games, it's, you know, as kind of as you said, in anything, what is your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you, you know, where you are? Why do you want to do what you mm-hmm. want to be doing? So, um, yeah, well, it was it was actually um, I think it was at a conference that I was in in Leipzig, Germany, uh, where uh, Rami Ishmael was talking about this um, from Flambeer Studios, and yeah. he basically that was one of his slides was he's like one of the first things you should ask yourself is the why, and when he brought when he brought that up, I kind of jumped up in my seat, you know, and I was just like, yes, validation, that's awesome, you know, you got another <laughs> influencer that's saying the same thing, and Rami, the way that he said it, he's like it's a Swiss Army knife of life question because you could ask like you said you could ask the why for anything that you're doing so i ended up just kind of just um laser focusing it more towards your creative effort and towards your indie effort ask the why and answer that question and it will put you on a new path and a resolve that you've never experienced before that will be insane motivation all right listeners that is your homework for the week Go home, think about your why. Think about, you know, what you're doing. And then if you get inspired, you want to share it, go ahead, shoot me an email. I'm mm-hmm. sure Mark would love to hear it as well. I'll share anything with him. Um, I'm sure Mark and I will stay in touch after this. So, <laughs> you bet. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, at the end of every episode, I always ask my guests to kind of gather up all of their experience, all the thoughts, uh, all the stories, and share with the listeners one kind of broad general piece of advice that they want to send home with if if people take mm-hmm. nothing away from this episode except this one piece of advice what would you like to share uh i if i could trademark this hashtag i would and basically the hashtag would be start now in other words with where you're at with what you know with what you have you just need to start 
And that's one of the other things, and I hate to keep plugging Indie Game U, but Indie Game U is just that. It is an indie effort. And you'll notice it from the first lesson all the way through the last lesson. You'll see this hockey stick up of quality. The first lesson literally was filmed in the loft of my home with a GoPro camera. Mm-hmm. With, you know, with subpar audio to some degree. I mean, you know, it, it isn't high definition. But as you're going through the courses, you'll notice that it gets better and it gets more rich and it gets more full. The information is always great, you know, and the best practices and the tips and the methodologies being shared. I mean, that never changes. That's always just top tier. But I'm just talking about the delivery system. I'm talking about the the recording and the technical side of it. And I, I basically just had to come to that moment where it's like, okay, you know what? I either can't afford the HD cameras and the lighting sets and the audio uh, equipment or whatever. I'm just gonna start with what I have because this needs to get let loose. And that's what I did. So people can understand that Mark practices what he preaches. He starts now. He starts where he's at because he just has to get it loose. Because I'm, I'm like a soda bottle full of carbonation that just gets shook up. If you don't pop that cap off, I'm going to explode the freaking glass. So <laughs> basically, that's what I did. I started where I was with my abilities, my resources, my time, and it got better. And it got better and better and leveled and leveled, but I had to start. Because if I would have waited until I had arrived, at least in my mind, I I had arrived. I got the HD cameras, I got the technology sorted, I got the audio sorted. I don't even know if it would have ever started because that goal line would have always kept getting pushed out further and further to where it just wasn't attainable anymore. So damn it, people, all I have to say to you right now is you have to just start and understand that it will get better, but you you need to just start moving into it and damn the naysayers and just go forward with your abilities and your resources and your time. That's it. Well, Mark Soderwall definitely knows how to light a fire in you. I'll tell you that. All right. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, gosh. The... Yeah, it's 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 obviously it's it's a heart's cry of mine, and and every every interview and and every video lesson that is done, there's always a vein in the forehead and veins out of the neck of me talking. It's it's very you know Gary V like, um, where it just it really just puts it all back on you, but not lording it over you to where you have to just get bogged down in fear and intimidation. It's encouraging. It's empowering. It's mentorship. It's helping you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, sometimes even helping you get yourself out of the way and just moving forward. And like I said, just starting with where you're at, with what you have, with what you know, and just moving forward. Well, that's Mark Stoderwall of Indie Game University, uh, Indie Game U. Mark, you're a passionate guy. You're a driven guy. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us today. Thank you, Logan. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, this has been the Indie Insider Podcast. It is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm out there to help aspiring indie developers make the game they want to make and share it with audiences. Uh, of course, you can find them online at blackshellmedia.com or connect with them on Twitter at blackshellmedia. Um, and as Mark so generously said before, Blackshell Media also is interested in giving back, um, putting resources out there, educational resources for uh, aspiring developers, for gamers who just want to be in the know. That's, of course, why we get to bring the Indie Insider Podcast to you. Uh, Of course, 
I'm your host, Logan Schultz. If you want to be a part of the show, uh, have thoughts, questions, if you want to recommend somebody to bring on the show, shoot me an email, logan at blackshellmedia.com, or find me on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. I'm always happy to connect. Uh, Mark, if people have really enjoyed this episode, they want to connect with you, or they want to follow your work, how do they find you on those interwebs? Uh, well, we have, um, obviously, you can go on to Facebook and, and look at our page, uh, which is uh, Indie Game U or Indie Game University. Uh, you can use the at symbol, at Indie Game U, and that's uh, I-N-D-I-E, Indie Game U. Uh, we're both on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Our Instagram community is is lighting up. It's just not sharing pictures and memes. We've actually got huge threads. In fact, the last post that we did, I think we got up to like 40 threads of people just exchanging. So people are really just, a, it's a sounding board, and it's really, really great. And of course, you know, please tour our website see what it is that we have to offer if you haven't heard my heart it's there all in print and in video for you um indiegameu.com so i would encourage you to to check it out so thank you guys this has been indie insider we will see you next week <laughs>